0: Good morning. Nice to be here again. I wrote Pastor John and said, would like to come back to Bemidji again. <laughs> we had such a nice time with you last time, and it's so great. I was just talking to the pastor from the First Assembly, and I said how wonderful it is that you all dwell in unity. And that's great, isn't it? Well, I don't know how much you know about India. But India now will soon be larger than China with over a billion population. But India has improved because of technology. Uh, much different than when we came uh, over 60 years ago when uh, India was very primitive. But technology, they have improved in major cities of India. But India still remains a complex country because of the caste system. Now you say, what is a caste? A child's destiny is determined before they're even born. I remember when we first opened our school, they said we couldn't uh, couldn't educate a low caste child. They didn't have the mental ability to learn. But aren't you glad this morning that God is no respecter of person? I walk into the hospital, I see doctors and nurses, nurses that have trained through our nursing college, teachers in our schools, pastors in our churches. As our Calcutta ministry grew, we realized that missionary visas were not now being issued And uh, there was no gospel witness in the state surrounding our state of West Bengal. And so we started Bible schools to train national pastors. Every state in India has a different language. So it was necessary to have Bible schools in the various languages and to train national uh, pastors uh, to reach these villages for Christ. And now, in five states alone, surrounding Calcutta, we have, it said, 700 churches. Now we have 1,000 churches. Because in January of this year, we had our 100th anniversary celebrations of our Assemblies of God of North India. And it was so thrilling to see hundreds and hundreds of national pastors come for that convention When we first went to India, it was a different story. There were more missionaries than there were national pastors. But I'm so glad today because India has to be reached by national leadership. And the leadership, I can tell you now, is very strong. But what to tell you about Calcutta? It is still the poorest city in the world, nine miles long and four miles wide, with 22 million people, visitors that come to see us say wall-to-wall people, and that is so very, very true. But you know, there's one scripture in God's word, and I love it, Proverbs 3.27. And it says, withhold not good from them who deserve it when it is in the power of your hand to do it. You know, I travel when I'm home from India, speak in churches every weekend. And so many congregations feel that they support the missionaries to do the job. But I want you to know that's not true. It is in your hand to do it because everything that you saw on the screen this morning would not have been possible if it hadn't been for churches across this country Assembly of God churches that have given and given sacrificially that we may have what we have in Calcutta today and in all the 11 states that now come under our Calcutta ministries. And so it's so important that you take on the partnership of missions. Well, Mark and I really should not have been missionaries in India. But God had different plans for our lives and what we did not know. Mark had just come back from the Orient after uh, our missions department asked him to go for six months of evangelistic ministries in many of the uh, eastern states, far eastern states, uh, countries rather. And uh, at the airport, a senior missionary said, Mark, Uh, Your wife was born here. I was born in Japan. My parents were missionaries at the time. And uh, I want you to come back and help us develop the youth of Japan because the convention or the conference that they just hold held for youth, uh, over a 1,000 Japanese young people attended that conference. And Mark was just about going to say, I will, when God spoke to him and said, this is the last time you will speak to oriental people, you'll go to India. Well, India was far remote from our minds. He never told me, but uh, 15 months later, we received uh, an invitation to go to Calcutta, India for one year. Actually, our assignment was to start meetings in Calcutta to encourage uh, the missionary couple that were there and to establish an evangelistic center in downtown Calcutta. But when we finished our evangelistic meetings in Calcutta, that missionary couple decided that it was time for them to go home. And I remember we were living with them in their apartment, and uh, um, one morning at breakfast they came out and announced this: uh, they were taking their family home, and it startled us. It was a shock. <laughs> uh, and they, we said, um, uh, why are you going home? And um, they couldn't give us a, really a good answer. And uh, Mark said, well, what about us? He said, it's all yours. And we didn't come for that. <laughs> Phoned the missions department and said, what should we do? Oh, please stay until we find somebody to take your place. Well, I think over 60 years, they're still trying <laughs> to find somebody to <laughs> take our place. But, you know, the f- in those days, you went by boat, not by plane, and um, took us um, uh, three ships and two months to reach Calcutta. Um, there was first class, second class, and missionary class. <laughs> but, you know, the Sunday before, Mark preached in glad tidings, in downtown New York, and I'll never forget that service. Uh, after he finished preaching, the pastor's wife was asked to close in prayer, and she asked me to come to the platform, stand beside my husband, put our hand on both our shoulders, and she prayed a very strange prayer. She said, "God, make this couple a blessing to India for years to come." <laughs> Uh, Going home, I said to Mark, what does she mean years to (laughs) come? We're only going for one year, aren't we? But God had, as I said, different plans for our lives. Well, we started in a tent on some bare piece of ground. And I remember when our ship pulled into Calcutta, and I saw the congestion and the poverty. I, I said to Mark, "What? we're only in our 20s. What can a young couple do? in this congested, poverty-stricken city. And I remember him saying, we can't, but God can. Night after night, souls were being saved in that tent meeting. But the monsoon rains came. We couldn't stay in a tent any longer. We found an upstairs hall on one of the main streets of Calcutta. And we were very thrilled because we had 500 seats in that upstairs hall night after night. But then it was time to build a church. No church had been built in Calcutta in 100 years, and getting a permit was not easy. And the property, only property available, was the property we'd held the tent meetings in, owned by a Muslim family, and they were not going to sell. But God moved on that man's heart. One day, that Muslim owner, old gentleman, said to Mark, I don't know why I'm doing this, preacher, but I'm going to sell you the land. And he did. 1959, Christmas Sunday, the first church was built in Calcutta in 100 years, at a Missimity of God church. What a day of rejoicing it was. But that church got too small. School got too small. Everything was growing fast. It's time to build again, but in congested Calcutta, there was nothing available. We searched for property. One day, Mark came home, and when God told Mark something, nothing changed his mind. And uh, he was so excited. He said, I found the land, four blocks square. And I said, where? He said, on the main street of Calcutta. And I said, impossible. We've searched the main streets of Calcutta. And then he said, it's a cemetery, an old cemetery. The British have all gone. There are no graves. Kids are using it as a soccer field. And I said, Mark, I don't think the burial board will give you a cemetery to build a church, a hospital, and all you want to build. He said, no, they won't, but God will. (laughs) And today, I'm so thankful that this church uh, Calcutta is uh, many miles from here. Sunday is already over. And um, we decided that uh, every state in India has a different language. We decided as they, many of them come to uh, Calcutta to work, we would start services on Sunday in eight different languages. So we started slowly, one by one. And today in Calcutta, I want you to know we have eight congregations meeting on Sunday morning, and almost 5,000 people are there worshiping and praising God. And that's why I say impossible is one of God's favorite words. If you have an impossible situation, in your life, for your home today. Please remember, impossible is one of God's favorite words. <clears throat> but as we started to work in Calcutta, James chapter 2 became alive to us. How can you tell anyone God loves them when they have nothing to eat, no clothes to wear, no comforts of this life? Ken, as you saw on the screen, the beggar said, feed our bellies and then tell us God loves us. Little girl fainted in one of our first classrooms. Mark said to her, darling, when did you eat last? She said, I can't remember. Rushed her to a city hospital, low caste. Two in the bed, two under the bed, couldn't care less. Came home with tears in his eyes and said, I will not only educate or feed these children, but I'm going to educate, feed, and medically treat them. We opened our first school. It was difficult to get permission because we were going to educate poor children. In fact, there are schools in Calcutta that are very prestigious, been opened in the 1800s, and they called us the slum school because (laughs) we... Have educated poor children. But you know, recently, we had our 50th anniversary. What a day of rejoicing that was. In the largest auditorium in Calcutta. And the governor was our chief guest. And when he stepped up to a podium like this, he made this statement. Cal- Assembly of God Church School has changed the face of Calcutta. Now we have thousands and thousands of students in Calcutta in our schools. And you know, on the morning that we had this big celebration, 50-year celebration, surprisingly, a marketing concern had come to Calcutta to grade the school's, and find out how many schools were really educating children. And at the top of one of the leading newspapers, I want you to know, was the caption, the 10 best schools in Calcutta for your children to attend. Now, the first three schools were schools that had been built Anglican and Catholic schools had been built in the 1800s. We're only 50 years old. And do you know we came forth? Fourth. And our picture was in the paper, our school picture was in the paper. And underneath it said, the Assembly of God Church School slogan is building a better India by building better boys and girls. Why? Chapel services every morning. And the seed is sown in thousands of hearts. And as today, when I walk into our hospital and our schools and our churches, I see the results of starting a school, educating children, leading them to Christ, and now they are in our mission as doctors, nurses, pastors, and teachers. And that's what we call investment in lives. You know, sponsorships are wonderful. On the back table, I have a lovely lady with (coughs) Nancy Gibson. Uh, Just for $35 a month, a little over a dollar a day, you can sponsor and invest in a child. And you saw the CEO of our hospital talk on the, a video this morning. Sponsored child. Pastors are sponsor, sponsored. It is wonderful to go into our hospital schools and, and churches and see these sponsored children that, from the slums of Calcutta, because Calcutta is still 87% slum, in spite of the technology and the modern uh, devices that have come in, devices that have come in, But you know, it is wonderful that we can invest in the lives of the children. And then feeding, hunger. We just don't know what hunger is in this country. Hunger, and we started a feeding program, very small, and on the screen you saw that now in our school and street feeding programs, we're feeding 25,000 a day. And, you know, when you see those children devour food for the only meal that they get in the whole day, it costs a lot of money to feed that many children, to meet that many families. But on the book table, Nancy will be at the back. There are two books. One book, Pathway to the Impossible, and the other, Woman of Courage. Those books sell for $12 each, and $12 feeds a child for 12 days for 12 days to feed a child. But you know, as much as I encourage you to read the book, because I don't have time this morning to tell you 60 years of miracles or you'd never go home for lunch. But in that book, you'll read about miracles and it'll help you to have faith to believe in a miracle yourself. But also pray for the family that you're feeding because everything we do Whether we medically treat, whether we uh, feed, or whether we educate, it's for one purpose and one purpose alone, and that is to win that family for Jesus Christ. And so I urge you, buy a book, feed a child, and God will abundantly bless you. And then our hospital. What an arm of evangelism. Five chaplains going from bed to bed every single day. And, you know, I've been very, very happy that the majority of the nurses in our hospital today are graduates from our own nursing school, where they're trained and trained to maybe they will be the last person with that patient before they go into eternity. And how many souls are won for Christ in our hospital? And now one of the latest things that our hospital has undertaken are clinics in the villages surrounding Calcutta. Hundreds of villages in the West Bengal area. And the clinics, we couldn't open a church, we couldn't open a school in many of those villages. They're really hostile to the gospel. But you know, it's been wonderful that we have been able to have the medical clinics in those villages. And when we get the favor of the village, villagers by treating their sick, do you know what happens? The doctor's table on Sunday becomes the pastor's pulpit, and we have church. And it has been wonderful how we have been reaching no church, but the clinic becomes a church. Now, leukemia is one of our worst killers amongst children. I walked into a ward and I saw many children, 500 children every month, get uh, blood transfusions for leukemia. And I saw mothers sitting next to their children, so anxious. And I said, God, when Jesus walked this earth, he met a woman with a blood problem. She couldn't get near him, but she reached out and touched the hem of his garment. He felt it go out, she felt it go in, and she was healed by the power of God. Please heal these children. And I want you to know, dear ones, many of them go out of our hospital healed. What a testimony it is to the family. And that family is one for Christ through the healing of their child. Um, Cleft palates. Horrible, horrible faces. One out of every 700 born in India has a cleft palate. And we are operating constantly on these children. Walked into another ward. 30 of them, ready for surgery the next day. I saw a mother crying next to her child. I put up a chair and sat beside her, put my arm around her, and all she did was this. I looked down and I saw a child. I tell you, I don't think I've ever seen a child with such a horrible face. And the difficulty is, if, especially those in the village, not so much in the cities, but in the villagers, if a child is born deformed or blind or whatever, crippled, they believe that that family is cursed because in the reincarnation belief, it is from generation to generation the curse follows. That family may not even know what happened in the generations before them, but they have to believe that that Curse is on that family, and that's why I knew that mother couldn't even go to the well with the other ladies. But I had news for her. Tomorrow, your child will go into the operating room. Come out looking beautiful, and she did. We kept the child a little longer for dental work. I knew that mother was from one of those clinics. And I said, Mother... Go back to the clinic. Your curse is lifted now. And tell them what Jesus has done for your child. She did. The next Sunday, that clinic was packed with people because they wanted to know (laughs) what happened to that little girl. And that's what Jesus can do through our medical ministries. You saw on the screen, we also have a blind school I saw the blind in Calcutta. I said, God, give me a blind home. Thank God I have 200 children in our blind school. I love to go there. I love to hear them sing, Jesus loves me. Nobody loves them because blindness in a family is the worst curse they can have. Give them a cup and send them to Calcutta to beg. Five of those children I took to the hospital. I said to the doctor after the surgery will they see and she said some better than others. When the bandages were taken off her their eyes, they looked up at the light for the first time. Light in Hindi is butty. All they could say was Bati 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 Bati. They loved the song Amazing Grace I once was blind but now I see. You know, that day in the hospital, I held hands with the doctor, and we sang, the children sang that song. I once was blind, but now I see. I I told you I love to go to the blind school. And you know, when I was there, I went to see the blind children, and our director said, I have a surprise for you, auntie. And I said, "Who?" and he said, do you remember when we started the blind school, we only had seven children? And I said, oh, yes, I remember. He said, one of those seven children has graduated from our school in Braille and uh, went to college in Braille and is now an evangelist amongst the blind in the state of Bengal around the villages around Calcutta. I said, really? And then I remembered which boy it was. And he married one of those girls that was operated on those five girls that was operated in our hospital. And he said, I brought that couple to see you today. Oh, what a joy it was to sit down with that couple. Two children that nobody cared for. From the village. Nobody cared for them. They were cursed, blind, brought to our blind home. Both of them found the Lord. And this young man felt called to the ministry. We sent him to Bible school in Braille. And do you know today, he's an evangelist around the villages. And I asked him, how much success do you have? Oh, auntie, there's so many blind families. So many blind people that I'm reaching for Christ. And I thought, oh God, thank you for allowing me to open this blind school, not only to help these children that are cursed, but to show them the love of Jesus, and the results are that way. You know, Mother Teresa was a lovely little lady, brought all our patients to our hospital. One day I was in the hospital with her, I'll never forget, before she took very ill. And she said these words I'll never forget. She said, it's not how much you do, but how much love you put in the doing that counts. I said, Mother, if we don't put Jesus' love in our doing, is all our work in vain. She said, that's what I mean. And then she took my hand in her 87-year-old hand, and she said, when you give to the poor, you do it unto Christ. When she was very ill, I went to see her. And she was lying there asleep. She heard my voice, she recognized. And she opened her eyes and she smiled, too weak to talk. But she held up her hand and she did like this. I said, Oh, yes, I remember. I remember when you give to Christ, you give to the poor, you give to Christ. I told you we were in five states in India, and now we have a 1,000 churches in those five states. Years ago, Mark was invited to speak at an interdenominational uh, revival, they called it, an evangelistic meeting in one of the areas in Nagaland in East India. Now, there are seven states in East India, and they look more oriental than they do Indian. And uh, he didn't know if he could go or not because he didn't have a permit, but God marvelously undertook. He went without a permit, and they didn't ask him at the airport. They didn't ask him uh, at the check post when he arrived. And he preached, and one of the pastors in that event, that revival, was a Pentecostal pastor, only one. And uh, he said, "Brother Fontaine, please speak on the baptism of the Holy Spirit tomorrow night." And uh, Mark said, "Well, maybe I <laughs> said interdenominational conference. Uh, uh, they do Maybe they will not be uh, not like it." And uh, but he said, "I'll pray about it." And God spoke to him and said, "Yes." Tell them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the next night, he preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you know, God wonderfully undertook. He had nine interpreters because of tribal languages. But there's one language called Nongamese that that Nongaland area, they all understand, and there's about 15,000 in that large crusade. And at the end of his message, he wondered how the, the nine interpreters had uh, interpreted his message if they uh, understood properly. And so he prayed. He said, God, please make these people understand what I said. And I hope, pray that the nine interpreters uh, conveyed my message properly to the people. And all of a sudden, he began to speak in other tongues. And the people got so excited, and he wondered why. And this little Pentecostal pastor ran up and said, Oh, Brother Fontaine, Brother Fontaine, you spoke in Nogamese. You spoke in our language to our people and explained to them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you know, dear ones, that night, so many received the baptism of the Holy Spirit that it was the birth of of our Assemblies of God in that state of Nagaland, and all the seven states now of Northeast India that we have over 400 churches, Bible schools, schools and everything up there. And I went up there for a pastor's conference. How wonderful it was to speak to these pastors, young pastors. And the general superintendent, who is a graduate of our Bible school in Calcutta, he said, Auntie, I'm going to take you somewhere I've never been before. And I said, where? He said, the largest cemetery in the eastern world is above our capital city of Kohima. I went with him the next day. I couldn't believe it. Thousands of graves. When the Japanese were coming uh, over Burma, they said that those seven states belonged to them and World War II. But when I entered the grave, there was a large arch. And I read that arch, and it said, go home and tell them. We gave our today for their tomorrow. And I said, God, now nearing 60 years of ministry in India, we have given thousands Not only a today, but a tomorrow. And then I thought of a grave in Calcutta. Mark died so suddenly overnight. Couldn't understand. Shock. Pastors couldn't understand. Congregations couldn't understand. And as Sanjay Prasad, our CEO of our hospital, spoke on the Across the country, they said, What's going to happen now to Calcutta? I stood beside that grave, and you know, it was June the 4th. Today is June the 4th, 28 years ago today. And I stood beside that grave. I said, God, I don't know. I don't understand. Thirty-five years now we have been in Calcutta. We only uh, promised to come for one year. Thirty-five should be enough. Have you ever argued with God? I did that day. I couldn't understand. But I'll always be thankful that our worship team started to sing that wonderful song. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life my soul, my own. I said, God, if you'll help me, I'll stay. And I only wish Mark had lived to see the result of his vision and prayers. Today, I only came back from Calcutta in April to see the result in all of those areas. Hundreds and hundreds of churches now, schools. And I thank God, thank you for helping us stay after our year was over. We could have said, well, our year is over. We, we've done our commitment, and uh, we'll go home. But thank you, God, for letting us pioneer, pioneer the work. But you know, we live in a changing world, I me, myself, and I, a world investments are here today and gone tomorrow but you know when you invest in the kingdom of god it pays the best dividends because money is the currency of men but faith is the currency of god and i see it every day investment in lives most important you know i travel so much had something wrong with my ear Went to the hospital as the nurse. Took me to an ENT specialist. Went down to the outpatients department. She knocked on the door. Dr. Bhattacharya, I want you to meet the president of our mission. And I'll never forget, he got up from his chair. Tears in his eyes. He said, Auntie, I don't have to meet you. I met you when I was seven years of age. I said, you did? He said, my dad brought us, my brother and I, to you. He was five, I was seven. Ah, we were so poor, the poor called us poor. We had rags and no shoes on our feet. I tried to think. And then he started to bring to my remembrance who he was. And finally I said to him, are you Subosh? He said, yes, I am. I said, Subosh, tell me what happened. He said, when I finished the junior college, I was captain of your school. Then I remembered. Went to medical school, got a scholarship, prayed. God, help me with these subjects. I'll go back to that hospital. I said, they're lined up in front of your door. Children, children. When you treat those children, does it remind you of yourself? Every day, Auntie. Every day. Every day. That's what I mean to invest in a life. Sat on the platform the last Sunday I was in Calcutta. Last Sunday in March. Our senior pastor went to Singapore. He was one of the speakers at the World Conference, World AG Conference. Our associate pastor was preaching that morning. When he walked to the pulpit and opened his Bible, I didn't see an associate pastor. I saw a 12-year-old boy. 12-year-old boy lost his mother first with tuberculosis and his father. And at the grave, that little family, two, two boys and one, two girls, Patrick looked up in my face and said, we're orphans, we've got nobody now. I said, oh, yes, you have. Put my arms around him, put the boys in our boys' home, looked after the girls. Today, both boys are working in our mission. Patrick is the associate pastor. His brother, Willard, is in charge of our boys' home. Do you know, when I saw that, I said, after he... The meeting was over. I put my arms around him and said, Patrick, I'm so proud of you. He said, no, Auntie, I'd still be in the slums of Calcutta if it hadn't been for you and Pastor. And I said, oh, yes, but for God. And that's what the miracles daily were seen. You know, uh, people say to me, when are you going to stop? You know, when I go to Calcutta, And I see the needs. I was on the sixth floor of the hospital, and I looked out the window, and I saw thousands and thousands of children pouring out of our school, ready to get in the buses and go home. Beautiful children coming from poor homes. And then I looked across the street, and I saw thousands, hundreds of people lining up for their food, the only meal they get in the whole day. Visitors come to see us are amazed. They help us to feed them. Amazed at hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. And I saw the children, what a contrast. Thousands of children coming out of our schools and children lining up for food that need education. Families that yet have to be one for God. The needs are so great. Village after village. When I go to these various states and walk through the villages with these pastors and see the schools and see the churches, but I see so many yet that need to be reached to the gospel. And thank you so much for allowing me to share with you today, for doing does not count unless love motivates it, and loving does not count unless doing demonstrates it. You know, you can't love Jesus without doing something about it. I often wondered what the scripture meant, the last should be first and the first should be last, till I read the revised version. It said, those that are inconspicuous here shall be heroes there. I said, thank you, God. Those are my partners. Those are the churches that I love to visit and thank them. You know, you give your missionary offering and sometimes you wonder, where does it go? Where does it go? I want you to know where it goes. You're partners with us. Those that are inconspicuous here in their giving are heroes to God. And one day, one glorious day, we'll all walk into heaven together and, and you will see your reward in your giving and giving. Thank you so much, Pastor, for allowing me to be here today. And it's been great. To, talk, to share our Calcutta ministries with you. God bless you.
1: If Pastor Matt could come forward, see him back here. Uh, we just want to pray right now for Halda uh, for and her ministry and thank her for being with us again today. And just so you know, there'll be an offering in the back. And as you're leaving, and what I always tell people with offerings, don't listen to what I say. Don't even listen to what Huldah says, and she's pretty smart. So, uh, but listen to what God tells you to give. If God lays it on your heart to give something, He's going to provide what He tells you to give. That's that's a guarantee. And so, uh, no matter what that amount is, listen and say, God, what? How do you want to use me today? How do you want me to give? So, right now, we're just going to pray. I'm going to have Pastor Matt pray for Halden. and if you could just agree with us in prayer. Afterwards, our prayer ministers will be available over here for anybody who has a need someone that you need to be anointed with oil and someone to pray for you. Otherwise, we'll be dismissed after the prayer. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that you would bless every uh, gift of faith right now as we, as we give to you and we give to the mission that you've called Huldah and her team to. Just pray your blessings over her and pray, Lord, that you would give her anointing. I pray that you would give her favor, grace upon grace right now, and wisdom to do the ministry that you've called her to do in this season of life. God, I believe that you've got good things in store for her now. Lord, there's been so many testimonies of miracles and the the way that you've answered prayers and the way that you've um, responded to faith over the years. But, Lord, you've got something special for this season of life. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bless that. And I pray that you'd give her wisdom and discernment and just cover her, Lord, with your spirit and empower her anew and afresh. And I just pray, again, your blessing on her and on all those who, uh, who give today. In Jesus' name, amen.